Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And welcome once again to Freedom to Choose. Uh, we are on program number six, The Resurrection, and or a, actually A Resurrection. And we're doing the series The Life, in, in which we're talking about the life of Jesus. And so if you want to... Go to our website, www.justasiamministries.com. You can find this program again at a later date, and that would be program number six, A Resurrection, on the series The Life. You know, and, and we, we call it The Life, and it's, if we have anything, if we can examine the life of Christ to see how he treated people and, and what his mission was, um, because we know that in John, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I think sometimes um, it can, um, sometimes understanding religion and God and everything and can be so confusing. But Jesus just broke it just, down, yeah, right? Just look he, at his life. Right. He was, he was like, how many sermons did he give? We know he gave the Sermon on the Mount. And yeah, he, he talked during the um, the Last Supper and things like that. But you saw through his activities who he was as a person. Yeah. And that was to go about healing and ministering to people in need. And, and that, if anything, if we can model that, see it for what it is and to model it, then yeah. that's, that would be, that would set us all on a different degree of yeah, reality. Yeah, he's there, the way, the truth, and the life. life he's right. just life-giving power. Yes. You want to uh, give us a word of prayer here before yes. we start? Lord, we thank you for the life of Jesus and for the example that um, he has given uh, about who he is and about who you are as well. Uh, we ask that um, each one of us continue to learn from these stories how... Um, how you operate in this world, what your divine law is all about, and um, help each one of us to desire to change more into that likeness. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm, I was going to read something about uh, an article I came across about a mailed date palm tree named Methuselah that sprouted from a 2,000-year-old seed nearly a decade ago, and it's thriving today, according to the Israeli researcher who is cultivating this plant. The plant was sprouted in a laboratory in 2005 when a National Geographic news story about the event resurfaced this week in a social media website, Reddit. We decided to check on Methuselah and see how he's doing. So it's actually, what, 15 years ago now, Yeah, right? Yeah, technically, yeah. Yeah. And so this is Elaine Soloway. She's the director of the um, Ar Arva 
Institute for Environmental Studies in Kibbutz Kintra in Israel. She said he is a big boy now. Hmm. He is over three meters, which is 10 feet tall, and he's got a few offshoots, and he has flowers, and his pollen is good. She said, we've pollinated a female with his pollen, a wild modern female, and yeah, he can make dates. So in 2005, um, she, the expert on this desert agriculture, agricultural, Elaine, um, germinated the ancient seed, which was recovered decades earlier from an archaeological excavation in Masada, a historical mountainside fortress. Okay, so the seed had spent years in a researcher's drawer in Tel Aviv. In the years since Methuselah's first sprouted, Soloway had successfully germinated a handful of other date palm from ancient seeds recovered at archaeological sites around the Dead Sea. I'm trying to figure out how to plant an ancient date grove, she says. To do that, she'll need to grow a female plant from an ancient seed as a mate for Methuselah. Think about this. This is fascinating. Right. So far, at least two of the other ancient seeds that have sprouted are female. If Solowake succeeds, she notes, we would know what kind of a what kind of dates they ate in those days and what they were like. That would be very exciting. In 2012, scientists in Russian were able to grow a plant from a very old seed that had been buried by, they think, an Ice Age squirrel in Siberia. I, I find that kind of Comical, an Ice Age squirrel in Siberia, but right. it's pretty cool. But genetic tests indicate that Methuselah is most closely related to an ancient variety of date palm from Egypt, known as the Hyene, which fits with the legend that says that dates came to Israel with the children of Exodus. Uh, children of the Exodus, Soloway says, it's pretty clear that Methuselah is a Western date from North Africa rather than from Iraq, Iran, or Babylon. She explains, you can't confirm a legend, of course, in addition to Soloway's hopes of establishing an orchard of ancient dates, she and her colleagues are interested in studying the plants to see if they have any unique medicinal properties. Right, and there are also new studies that suggest that permafrost could be a depository for an ancient gene pool, a place where any number of now-extinct species could be found and resurrected, experts say. Okay, so another article goes on to say that Salloway resurrected the 2,000-year-old date palm that previously held the title of the oldest regenerated seed. This is what got my attention. Scientists are now using the word resurrected mm. scientifically. Mm -hmm. mm. Something that is has no life Se in it. Right, seemingly dead. And then 2,000 years later, add the right temperature or water or whatever they did, and now it sprouts. It's just an amazing um, object lesson, isn't it? It is. And so now we're going to get into our story about um, a funeral procession that Jesus and his disciples came upon. And it was coming from the gates of Capernaum, and it was headed to the city of Nine. In front, they carried an open platform is the body of a dead boy and all the mourners are around wailing and crying all the people of the town have gathered to show their respect for the dead and their support so it must have been a pretty sympathetic sight the, the deceased was probably the only son of his mother and she was probably a widow we can kind of deduce that because she was the only one alone in the procession and when the lord saw her he had compassion on her as she moved on blindly weeping not noticing his presence he came close beside her and gently said, Weep not. Jesus was about to change her grief to joy. 
yet he still couldn't hold back the expression of his sympathy. He came and he touched the platform. Even contact with death won't contaminate Jesus. You know, there's so many things that uh, we say Jesus can't be in the presence of sin. Jesus can't, you know, be in the presence of death. And you take a look at his real life and what he was in a world of sin. Yeah, he was he was knee deep in it. And he's the and life he, giver. Yep. He's a life giver. And he healed people from sin. He didn't. He doesn't discriminate. That's it right. Doesn't discriminate. And this is a fascinating thing. The woman is thrown down in adultery. Right. He even protects the reputation of those who set her up. Right. He runs them off by writing a little, a few words right. in the dust where a couple of footprints and puffs of wind are going to run them, you know, and his hopes are that they, they kneel down with the woman, but what do they do? They, because, they, they, because, and they were just as sinful, if even, if not more. So don't ever, don't ever um, believe the lie that Satan's trying to say that Jesus can't be present in your life because of the sin that you have. It's your very need. Your need that, that qualifies that, that you. That qualifies each and every one of us to yeah. be in his presence. Yeah. And um, we get it flipped around. You know, Jesus can't, you know, it, and it's strange how we have those strange yeah. thoughts about what Jesus can endure and what he can't endure. Yeah, now, and that's you know, what he can endure and what he can't, you know, what he can stomach and what he can't stomach. Right. The main thing is, is just keep coming to him. Absolutely. It's like a physician. The physician, he takes vengeance out on the disease, and not the patient. Right. He, a physician doesn't come to heal healthy people. Yeah, he comes to you. Got to tell him where it hurts, right? And then he goes in and he and he deals with the disease. All we got to do, I don't care how sinful we are, we go to him and tell him where it hurts. Tell him, tell him where it hurts. He'll tell us. He'll, he'll help us with that. Absolutely. He'll make us and, well. and it's interesting because sometimes it's not always what we expect him to work on first. No, is no, what no. What he works on, he works on the things that are you know sometimes hidden in our hearts and our minds that we're not even aware of, and then the other habits begin to fall I, off. And I, I think that's the. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that as we self-diagnose. Mm-hmm. We get ourselves in big trouble. Right. The alcohol is the symptom of the disease, right. not the disease itself. The drugs are the symptom. The, the cigarettes are the symptom. He comes in and he cures the disease and the symptoms go away. Right. Because we always like to say, I, I didn't have a problem with alcohol. I didn't. Right. I did not have a problem we, with alcohol. We, I had a problem being sober. Right. We could drink alcohol all day long. Yeah. That wasn't the issue. The issue was is that we couldn't be sober all day long. Yeah. We couldn't live inside our own skin sober. He comes in and he lets us know we're worth something. And he lets us know he's there. And he also, you know, you get that sense. You know, this is this is very simple, but it's not easy. It's hard work to do what the doctor says. Right. It's it's therapeutic work. It's hard work. You you know, I remember when you broke your wrist, you had to keep going to therapy, and it was hard work and it was painful, but it healed properly because you did what the doctor said. Absolutely. And then for those of us that maybe aren't dealing with an outward manifestation of a sin in our lives, like addiction or things like that, if we're struggling with gossiping or if we're struggling with struggling with judgment of other people or resentment towards other people, um, you know, those are that that that's you know, any kind of sin is the sin that Jesus can come in and and he can heal that. He can root that out of our hearts and change us so we no longer have to be held in bondage by those things like judgment and and, right. and resentment because those are just as deadly as anything else. Yeah, and I think when you brought in the word gossip, remember, we it's so easy to gossip because of one thing. We judge other people on their actions and we judge ourselves on our intentions. Right. And if I judge myself on my intentions, I got a halo on. 
I intend to do all kinds of wonderful things. Right. But if I look back at my actions, Mm -hmm. I'm worse than anybody else. See, Mm -hmm. but it's so easy for us just to say, oh, they, I would never do that. Or I would never, you can't believe what they did over here. Well, I have to look at what, what my actions are, not what my intentions are. Right. What my actions are. And, And a lot of times my actions are very unhealthy. And then we can always go to Romans 8 and say, but praise God, there's no, no condemnation condom- in me. Right. Because yeah. I'm in the process. I'm in the process of being healed and be re- you know, recreated in God's image. Yeah, the doctor doesn't condemn the cancer patient every time he comes in and gets his chemo treatment. And he's, getting, he's making very, very little progress progress he doesn't look at his watch and say well you should be getting more better than that i i hate you now right he doesn't do that to the patient right. he treats that disease and god is working on the infection of fear and selfishness that is in us that causes us to hurt other people absolutely and that's what he's working on if we let him come in and we let him deal with that infection then he can heal us but we can also seek out other groups and you know the ones you can go to that are going to gossip about other people and if you go there you know that you're going to feed that monster, but you also know the other people you can gravitate to that are healthy. Absolutely. And they aren't going to do that. Right. So we, we know, right. you know, we know. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Jesus came to the platform and, e- so go back to- Go back e- to the story. Right. Sorry about that. We got and a little bit off. even trip. contact with death won't contaminate Jesus. The holders of the platform stood still and in a clear authoritative voice, Jesus said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. Okay, so that voice somehow pierces the ears of the dead boy. The young man opens his eyes. Jesus takes him by the hand and lifts him up. Wow, can you imagine? He looks at his mother who has been crying beside him and her and her son embrace. Everyone around look on the silence, look on in silence as if they were spellbound. They're all they there came a fear on everybody. The Bible says, hushed and reverent, they stood for a little while as if in the very presence of God. Then they glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among them and that God has visited his people. Bingo. So the miracle was for all the people around. And they say, you know, praise the Lord. So, question, I'm going to ask you. Yes. Did God visit you? Absolutely. Where? When I was in jail. Were you raised from the dead? I was totally raised from the dead. Did you have anything to do with it? No. What happened? Well, you know, I had been, I I think that God for a long time had been working on my heart, and I was finally at the end, I believe, of my life, and a woman prayed with me, and all I know is that from that point on, I've never had the obsession to use drugs again, which I had lived with since I was 10 years old. So something happened. Something happened, and it was through that prayer. It was through the process of being incarcerated. It was through the process of not of, of not having control over my own actions, allowing okay. someone else to have control over my actions because yeah. I was out of control, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the jail system took me under their control. Yeah. And um, made choices for you until you regained the ability to make your own choices. And it took a long time, but they were making the choices for me. They fed me. They clothed me. They told me what time to get up and what time to go to bed and the chores I had to do. I mean, I was under a rule other than my own self. Okay, so interesting because for me, I got kind of like this three-month slow flashback of everything that I had done. In, in other words, 
I was no longer judging myself on my intentions. I looked back at my actions, and there was nobody left. I had there was nobody left. I had burned everybody. Right. Right. And I finally saw myself for who I was. And at that point, that's when I realized I needed Jesus. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I need I mean, 41 years my way did not work. It's obvious. Look back, Rich. Look at everything. And God didn't show it to me. Like I say, it was a three or four month slow motion <laughs> recap mm-hmm. of this wonderful life mm-hmm. that uh, that Rich can uh, live through when he manages his own life. Just right. a real beauty, I'll tell you. And uh, and when you see that for you know when you see it in reality in Technicolor, just you know it does something, and you got then you know you're at a fork. You well, know? and I think we both had come to the point. I think we both use this line. You know, both of us recognize that if we go out and use again, we're going to end up dead. Yeah. And I think that that's the place that we were at. We were in our addiction. We had gotten so far down in our addiction that. Um, it's like there's no else, no other place, no to, place go, to go, right? Yeah, yeah, there's no place left to go. And and you know the Bible it says it's it's our need that, that and it was like we were resurrected right yeah. from the dead. Yeah, something happened, you right? Know? And then now you're this little kid, you're this little babe. You, everything's new, you know. Right, but it was the power of God that came yeah. in and brought us back to life. Yeah, and then you then the the then the the, the I want to say the um, the journey starts of trying to figure it out in this new way because mm-hmm. everything is seen in a new, a new light. Right. And, and so there's all this stuff that you're looking through a whole new lens and it's just, it's weird. And of course myself, I gravitated back so many times to uh, running, running the show myself. And then, Oh no, there I go again. You know, my knee jerk is always to protect myself at the expense of others. So it's a struggle, right? Because God wants our cooperation. Yeah, He wants right? our he cooperation. He, he doesn't just, you know, we don't just sit there and and He does all the work. We need to cooperate. Yeah, in if, that process with Him, or we're not healed. It's rehabilitation. But we it's, need to recognize who has the power and who yeah, doesn't have the power. Yeah. yeah, I always go back to the farmer. The right. farmer does. He does all those things that encourage the growth. He tills the soil. He amends the soil. He plants the 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 plant. He waters the plant. He prunes the plant. He, he dusts for bugs. He does all the things that encourage the mm-hmm. growth, but the growth is still a miracle. And if you're if you're a recovering addict and you're not doing the things that encourage the growth, what do you got to do to grow weeds in your garden? Nothing. Nothing. What do you got to do to grow bad character cra- traits? Nothing. Just right. let yourself go. They'll come back. And even with even with someone who isn't an addict, if we're just you know if we're just plugging along in life and we it you know we're, we seem stuck or whatever. Um, you know, God expects us to participate those, in the miracle every day. Do those things that encourage growth. That's and, right. And some, and a lot of times it's encouraging the growth in someone else that causes the growth in you ourselves. You better believe it. Right. That's those miracles for, that we see that strengthen our faith. Right. Imagine the people in that procession seeing that, that little boy hop up off that platform. Right. Whoa. Absolutely. Really? You know? Right. Yeah. Um, and so back to that story, the funeral chain uh, returns to town and it's tri- a triumphal procession. And the rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout the region round about. The same Jesus who stood behi- beside the mother of the dead boy is right beside each one of us, especially when we're grieving. He's touched with sympathy for our grief. His heart that loves and pities is a heart of unchangeable tenderness. 
His word that called the dead to life is just as effective now as when he spoke to the young man in the story, and that's the truth. Right. Jesus says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, and that's Matthew 28, 18. That power is not diminished by the lapse of years or exhausted by overuse. It's still as powerful it's as it just as powerful as, as always been. Yeah. Jesus changed the mother's grief to joy when he gave her back her son. Yet the young man was brought back, of course, to this earthly life to endure its sorrows, its hard work, its dangers. But what about the final resurrection? Oh, won't that be something, right? That'll be a little bit different because, yeah, like Lazarus of old and this guy here, uh, they're resurrected and they lived their life a normal life, but there will be a final resurrection, won't there? Right, because they ended up, the body ended up dying. Right, right, right. But there will be a time if we're in, if we're, you know, faithful to God that we're um, resurrected for eternal life. Yeah. So that's a blessing. So Jesus comforts our sorrows, especially when we have lost someone with a message of infinite hope. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the kingdoms, the keys of hell and of death. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part in the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That's Revelation one eighteen and Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. See, that's, that's real powerful. That is very powerful. He's telling you who has the power of death and how he rules us is through the fear of death, and that's the devil. Um, and Jesus didn't pay some legal penalty at the cross. That's legalism. He shut Satan's mouth at the cross. What holds us captive? The fear of death. But with Jesus, we have life. There's no fear of death. Right. That shuts Satan's mouth and and diffuses his power. Right. Satan can't hold the dead in his grasp when Jesus offers them life. He cannot hold in spiritual death one soul who receives, um, who in faith receives Christ's word of power. God is saying to all who are dead in sin, awake from your sleep and arise from the dead. Ephesians 5.14. Yeah, that's good stuff. The Word is eternal life. The Word of God, which called forth the first man to life, still gives us life. As Jesus said, Young man, I say to thee, arise, arise from the dead. That Word of life to the person that receives it is, is its life. That's what it is. And you can have that right now if you believe it. Right. He, he can... He, I mean, if I let him, he can resurrect me every morning. Absolutely. From that old man. Because I get up an old, grumpy, scared. I, what did I tell you this morning? Yep. I woke up this morning and I was full of fear. Right. What do you do? Right. Tell God, God, you got to chase this enemy out of here. You know, and that's why we look at Jesus on the cross and how he lived the last moments of his life and the last hours of his life. And even, you know, could you imagine everything that he was going through? And he he won the victory over that selfish bondage that we suffer with the fear of I'm I gotta save myself. Jesus said, "I give myself that you might be saved. That you might you might live. You know that darkness is a terrible thing. The devil the devil likes to come in and and cloud us with that darkness. And sometimes all we can do is intellectually hold on to those promises. Right. Um, It's a battle, and it's going to be a battle until we die. It's just all, it's, it's going to be a battle. Uh, and nobody has the corner on the market of, uh, of 
nobody has a corner on the market of of being worse than somebody else, mm-hmm. being more sinful than somebody else. Mm-hmm. We've all got it to some degree. We've all sinned and fallen short of Every God's glory. Every one of us. Right. What does uh, what does Isaiah say? The whole head is sick, mm-hmm. from the head to the toe. Mm-hmm. The whole head is sick, and and I think if we understand our condition, um, because you know when I'm feeling good, I don't go to the doctor, and that's only because I'm feeling good. But there could still be something I need to go for a checkup, right? Right. And I need to tell them where the aches and pains are, and you never know. And, and our heavenly physician, our heavenly physician, we need to be checking in with them on if, a constant. Yeah, basis if he tells me there's something wrong with me, then I agree. I yeah. have to. And right. so that's a that's an ongoing all day thing. We need to be connected to that source. Yep, you can uh, you can reach us on our website www.justasiamministries.com. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could it be this simple, the way out of your prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.